Welcome to another fabulous episode of My Orgasmic Life. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Gaia Morissette. And today's show is brought to you by Tickle Dot Life. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about, so I quit smoking. It's, uh, you know, yay me. Um, and part of over the next couple weeks, I learned a lot of things and a lot of things about behavior and thoughts and our, you know, uh, deep, deep understanding of the human brain. And I already had a pretty good, I already had a pretty good understanding of the human brain. But in this journey of me quitting smoking, it made me understand it in a different way and in a deeper way and in a way in which how we need to cognitively, deeply change our behaviors. So, so the next little while, we're going to go into the deep. We're going to go into the brave. We're going to be brave, and we're going to go into the brain, and we're going to go all do explore some stuff. My show, my last show, I talked about how I used um, cock sucking <laughs> as a way to help curb my smoking. Today, I want to talk about how in order for us to change any kind of behavior, behavior, addiction, first of all, let's, let's break that down so that we're all on the same page. So when we talk about addiction, there's usually a couple different key ingredients to addiction. So we have the physical, the physical aspect of addiction um, where our bodies are addicted to a substance. Then we have the cognitive thought side of things where we are playing out behaviors based on because it serves us in some capacity. So we have the mind, we have the body, and then we have the energetic, you know, hooked into um, the addiction. So those are like the three major aspects of addiction. Now, addiction can be anything from like, uh, smoking, food, sugar. Sugar is a really big addiction, actually. Then we have things that, that are chemical-based. Then we have things that are behavioral-based, like work, porn, these kind of things. But our bodies release chemicals when we get our fix. So there's still a biological and a physiological side of the addiction that's going on. So today I want to talk about when we want to make any kind of behavioral changes, it first starts with our minds. It start, first starts in our brain of our mindset. And so for me around smoking, what I needed to ask myself was the question of, well, why do I smoke? And what came to me was, well, it makes me look cool. I was like, mm, that's kind of, that's interesting. Um, meanwhile, um, you know, from a societal standpoint, smoking isn't cool anymore. I mean, it once upon a time was everybody smoked. That was the thing to do. There was, you know, a bunch of stuff around that, but in our society nowadays, smoking isn't actually cool. This is quite frowned upon and there's a lot of judgment, um, around it. So I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Well, why did I think it was cool? Why did I need to think it was cool? Because like I asked, you know, like I said in my last podcast, I had talked to all the people in my life and I'm like, do you think I'm cool? And people are like, yeah, fuck yeah, you're totally cool. <laughs> you're like one of the coolest people I know. And I asked them, well, what makes me cool? And they told me all sorts of things. Not one person said you're cool because you're smoking. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. So my perception of smoking is that I thought it was cool. 
yet society says it's no longer cool. And the people around me who think I'm super cool don't think I, the one thing that they did not say that made me cool was my smoking. So I was like, oh, okay, so maybe I can let go of that. Let's, let's look at that. So then I asked myself the next question. And this was the question that led me down the rabbit hole of deeply changing my belief systems, which, which, and all this happened, by the way, before I actually attempted, I hadn't, I hadn't even attempted to quit, actually quit not smoking anymore. Okay. So this was just, this was all happening in my brain in the thought process of opening up a possibility. And before that, I've smoked, I smoked for 33 years, never once in that 33 years did I think, oh, maybe it's time to quit smoking. I liked smoking. I was good at smoking. Um, I was okay with smoking. Um, I didn't smoke a lot. And even my doctor was like, oh, you don't smoke that much. You don't have to worry about it. So I wasn't even um, needing to quit from that perspective. And yet when I started to really drop into, well, the lifestyle that I led, which was my lifestyle is incredibly healthy. I eat healthy. I sleep well. um, You know, I work out on a daily basis. I, you know, I'm training for open swim marathons. So I'm like heavy physical training. Like I, everything about my, I'm all about my emotional well-being and my spiritual well-being and my, all these things. I'm, you know, I'm this health, not health nut. I'm very health aware and health conscious and wellness consciousness. And yet smoking was not in line with that. So that's why I started, that's why I started the process of um, talking about quitting was because thinking about it was because I'm like, ah, smoking's not really, not really in line with where I'm moving in the world. And even though it wasn't in line, I still wasn't going to, you know, I've known it wasn't in line for the last couple of years, but yet no part of me was ready to quit. So then I asked myself, well, why do I smoke? What came to me is because it makes you cool. So then I asked myself, well, does it really make me cool? And it was, and my brain though, my brain was like, yes, it makes you cool. So then I was like, I don't really think that that's true, but I'm going to go find out. So I started, like I said, I asked everybody around me. I'm like, Hey, do you think I'm cool? And people are like, yeah. And I said, why? And they're like, because your job, because how open you are, how free you are, how, you know, you know, you love life, you know, you're, it's all about pleasure, all of these things. Like you're, you know, um, you know, you're funny, you're smart, you're the other things, all these other things, not once did they mention smoking. So I was like, oh, okay. So maybe that's not a true statement. So then I asked myself the question, why did I start smoking in the first place? And this was not easy because it brought up a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't even, I wasn't even aware that I was carrying with me. I wasn't even aware that I was, that I, that I was dealing with this stuff, which is, which is the fascinating thing about behaviors is that most of our behaviors that don't serve us at one time served us. Like the, why we, why we started them in the first place, it served a, a purpose in that moment. And once we can figure out what that purpose is, we can basically hack it we can change it we can change it because we now know the reason why so here's the big reveal i started to smoke when i was 12 because i 
had all this trauma that I didn't remember, satanic ritual abuse trauma, uh, sexual abuse trauma, and I was, and it was starting to come up to the surface and I felt suicidal and all these things. And at the time, I was hanging out with all the high performance kids kids that had, you know, they played sports and they had straight A's and they had all this extracurriculars and they were musicians and they were, they were, they were like high performance kids. And I was a high performance kid. I was super smart. I played instruments. Um, I was a sporty sports, sports girl. (laughs) And very, very good at sports. I was always, you know, the captain of all the teams of school, um, you know. And so I was in this really, in this, you know, in this group of, of kids who were like do, moving and shaking and doing things. But internally, I didn't feel any of those things. I had all this trauma. I had all this fucked upness. I was suicidal. I hated my life. I hated who I was. I looked in the mirror and I wanted to die, all this stuff. And I didn't know why at that time because I hadn't had my memories at that point. So I didn't know what it was about. But I just knew that the high performance kids would see me to really, would really see what was going on under the surface. And I couldn't allow them to see what was going on under the surface. So instead, I went and found the kids who were smoking in the smoking section. And a lot of those kids were problematic kids. They were, they had, they came from broken homes and abuse and trauma and, and horrendous things. And, you know, they're into drugs and partying and, and into all these things. And what I found was by hanging out with those kids, no one was going to see how fucked up and broken internally I was. Because internally, I may have been just where they were at, but externally, I didn't. And none of those things looked like that. So I didn't have to look at it. I could hide. And I didn't have to feel, uh, when I was hanging out with the high performance kids, I was always, I was always feeling like they're going to find out. So I never could relax. I could never be who I really wanted to be because who I really wanted to be was really broken back then. And I couldn't allow them to see me like that. So it was a lot of stress hanging out with the performance kids, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of things. And when I switched over to hanging out with the smoking kids, there was none. It was easy. I could hide with ease. No one bothered. Everybody was just trying to survive. So no one was worrying about what I was doing or what I wasn't doing, what I was saying or what I wasn't saying. So once I figured out that piece of the puzzle, I was like, oh, so I need to go really look into that place and and do some reparenting and cognitive, you know, and use my my flush method that I developed with, you know, you know, mastery of the inner inner child sanctuary and mastery of the subconscious brain and having dialogue and finding out what was going on. And so, you know, I used my tools, my, you know, these these amazing advanced inner child subconscious mastery tools that I've developed. And so I leaned in there and I, I went into my subconscious and I'm like, so what's going on? And what I found was some really cool stuff. One, I had like two teenage, their representatives, two teenage parts. And those teenage parts was like, one was the, the, the teenager that was hiding and all of these things were coming up 
And um, the other part was this teenage part that was in charge of all the rules, making sure that I didn't break too many rules, that I stayed on the straight and narrow, that I didn't go off the rails too much. Um, and so there was these you know, two aspects of my personality that I had suppressed with smoking. <laughs> So I spent a, a week, two weeks, about a week and a half on reparenting and doing all the pieces, leaning in, looking at all the stuff, you know, getting rid of the shit that doesn't serve me, um, you know, adding some new components like, well, what if, what if we had not, you know, what if we had never started smoking and created, you know, some new, um, new stories, new possibilities and allowed myself to play out with those possibilities. And what ended up happening is once I've changed the cognitive part of it, the behavior changed without me actually ready to change it, actually. It was quite fascinating. So I did all this work, reparenting, all the, both teenage parts, the goody two-shoes, you know, taught her how she could break some rules a little bit. And, and the part of me that was, you know, um, you know, kind of a mess, just, you know, do all the cognitive healing work that, you know, that teenage part aspect of me that needed to be heard and seen and, and all that kind of stuff. And so after we did all that work, I went to have a smoke. And I had had this, I had this like great plan. Like I had this wonderful plan. I was going to like wean myself off of the smoking. You know, it was going to be like a six week plan. It was going to be easy. It was going to be like this beautiful, easy detox thing that was going to be super easy for me to do. Only that's not actually what happened. <laughs> so it ends up happening. <laughs> so I did all the healing. And then my subconscious, okay, well, now we're not, we're not, we don't need to smoke anymore. Now that we feel that we don't need to smoke. And so I went to go have a smoke and I felt nauseous. And then, you know, I went to have another smoke. It was like one day of all day long, every time I would try to go have a smoke, I'd feel nauseous and almost vomit and have to put the smoke out. And it was like all day like that. The next morning I thought about lighting up and I almost vomited. I'm like, oh, and so then I went into the sanctuary, back into the, into my inner sanctuary, into the talk, into the subconscious mind, you know, the gateway to the subconscious mind. And I'm like, what's going on? And my subconscious brain was like, you're done smoking. You're no longer a smoker. You don't need to smoke. We've already healed why you started to smoke. So therefore you don't need to heal. You don't need to smoke anymore. So you're done. And on a conscious level, I was like, yeah, but I had a plan. I totally had a plan. Why are you wearing my plan? And so that's how powerful, so that was, you know, it didn't matter that I had a plan. My subconscious had already cleared out and healed the stuff that made me want to smoke in the first place. And the part of it was being cool, but part of it was hanging out with the cool kids. But part of it was basically not hanging out with the high performance kids. And the high performance kids, because they could, they could see the truth of how fucked up I was at that time. So once I did all that work, my brain and my body were like, nope, you're done. And it was fascinating because I was done. Like, my, I couldn't smoke anymore. And that was like 24 days ago. I have, oh, I had one conscious smoke because I whined for about two days. But I wasn't ready. Um, and then I had my one conscious smoke of saying goodbye 
consciously uncoupling from, you know, tobacco and changing my relationship from, you know, this uh, addiction to the sacredness of tobacco, which I'll talk about on another podcast um, of the sacred medicine that tobacco is from a spiritual side of things. Um, anyway, so I had my one last conscious cigarette the whole time I was vomiting. Um, and it was my body, my brain, everything was like, you're done. Why are you doing this? It tastes gross. It's disgusting. And since then, I haven't smoked. Now, I've wanted to smoke. I've had lots of cravings to smoke. I had a lot of behavioral things and habitual things that I had to work on changing. And I've gotten most of them. There's just a couple left in, in things. And, you know, our next podcast, I'll talk about, you know, what are some of the behavioral changes and the ha habitual changes that I needed to do um, so that, you know, I changed my smoking behaviors and what the core reason of why. But it was fascinating. Like once my brain healed, then it was done. And then it became easy. I wouldn't say it was easy. Um, I was quite emotionally bitchy and very itchy and the detoxing wasn't very pleasant. And I'm still having a little bit of detoxing. Like I got a migraine yesterday and some weird, you know, hacking up stuff in my lungs in the morning as my body's like recalibrating to not having nicotine and not smoking. But um, the piece around that I, I'm, I'm never actually worried. I'm actually not worried that I'm going to start smoking again because there doesn't, there's no reason for me to smoke. The reason that I smoke no longer exists. The reason that I wanted to smoke in the first place no longer exists because I've healed it. And so if we take this out of, from the confines of how, well, how, how does this affect you if you're not a smoker and you're not planning on quitting smoking? Um, well, this works with everything. Everything that we have from a behavioral standpoint was created for a reason. Everything. There's a purpose. There's a reason. And things that are no longer serving us, the key before we start to actually pull it out of our system and so this is the other thing. Here's a little note, side note about me. I don't do denial well. That is not in my nature. That is not my personality on any fucking level. <laughs> the minute you tell me I can't do something is the minute every part of me, every cell in my body is like, oh yeah, watch me. Like I really have, you know, it turns out that there's, there's a disorder, they call it a, you know, authority defiance disorder. I just thought that that was just a thing. Like, well, of course, everybody feels that way. <laughs> Apparently not. So anyways, so for me, denial is something like trying to quit something or change something from a place of pure willpower does not work well for me. It's not my nature. It's not my personality. I, you know, the more I'm denied something, the more I want it. So for me, the key is in any kind of major behavioral change, I need to look at it from a different perspective, not because I'm not allowed to have it, but changing my relationship of why do I want it and does it serve me? 
And so that is the key. That's what I found is for me anyways, the key ingredient to doing any behavioral change, whether it's quitting smoking, changing my relationship with carbs, um, changing my relationship with sugar, changing my relationship with money, changing my relationship with sex, changing like all of these things that I've done um, throughout my life. It's, it's not about the denying that I can't have that. It's about why do I want that? And does that serve me? And what can I replace it that will also serve me better? And so the, the key ingredient in that is figuring out what it is in the first place. So it doesn't matter what behavior we're talking about. If you want to change it because it doesn't serve you anymore, you need to figure out why. Why did you start it in the first place? What benefit does it serve you? You know, and, and a lot of times those benefits aren't logical. Like they don't make logical sense. Like, you know, I would never, when, before I started this journey, I would never have equated, hey, I started smoking so that, you know, the high performance kids couldn't, wouldn't see how fucked up I was. I hadn't, I would never have thought that that was it. I would have thought that if I were just, just to look at it without, you know, really looking at it, I would have thought, well, I started smoking because my mom smoked and I saw my mom smoking. You know, I started smoking because, you know, that's what the cool kids did. And I wanted to be one of the cool kids. And, you know, I would have like, all of those things would have been what I originally would have thought was part of the, the reason behind why I started to smoke in the first place. And the funny thing is, even though the message was you need to still smoke for all these years so that you can stay cool, to be cool, the reality is that wasn't what, that was what I told myself as my cover story. That was the cover story. That's the best way of putting it. That was the cover story. That was my cover story to myself of why I started smoking. Because if I really knew why I started smoking in the first place and my, I couldn't have the truth, like the truth would, would be like, that wouldn't resonate. Like the truth would be like, what? That is crazy. Why would you do that? Why don't you just heal that? No, I had to have a cover story. To have my cover story, cover story for the world, cover story for everyone else, including myself. So the key is, is when we are looking at doing major behavioral changes or minor ones, it doesn't really matter. We're looking to do a behavioral change. We must figure out, A, what's our cover story, and B, what's underneath that cover story. What is the real, true purpose and reason why we started that behavior and why we continue to have that behavior? And the third is that we then need to reprogram the, on, on a deep subconscious mind. And there's many techniques that I have. One, I have techniques that I've created and I've developed that work amazing. I call it the flesh method. Um, there's, you know, hypnosis. There's, there's so many different types of ways to get at your subconscious brain and understanding your subconscious brain and, and figuring out how to dialogue with your subconscious brain. So it doesn't matter what tool you use, whether you use my tools, somebody else's tools, something else, but you do need to get to, first, you got to figure out what your cover story is. Second is you need to figure out the real reason why, which underneath the cover story. The cover story is, you know, kind of the, the surface that we tell ourselves, that we accept, we tell the world. Then we have our real reason. You got to find out what the real reason is. And then you need to course correct in the subconscious mind um, to heal that. Once that is done, 
then the next step is to lean into actually stopping that behavior. And and our, my next podcast, I'll talk about how do we modify, you know, take those behaviors and we modify those behaviors um, so that they better serve us. And really, how do we dissect what those behaviors are and what we pull out of them and so that we can replace them? Because that's the other part of when, you know, I see people try to change things so quitting whatever or you know starting a new habit or whatever it is behavioral changes typically are not long lasting because one we haven't done this part of it that we were talking about today which is the cognitive side of it number one and two we don't replace what it is that is going to better serve us so there's just this empty void. And so eventually we will pull back into that empty void, the old behavior. So our next podcast will be all about how do we modify. Now that we've like, we've got the brain stuff to happen in and we've done all the cognitive stuff. Now we're going to actually not do that behavior anymore. How do we figure out what we need to do? Okay. That's our next, that'll be our next show. <laughs> In the meantime, if you're like, holy fuck, I need support, that's what I'm here for. You can contact me at Gaia Morissette um, on um, all the social media platforms. You can find me at succulentliving.com. If you're a practitioner, an energy worker, or somebody who works with people that are going to have, you know, that have trauma and needs, and you want to learn how to not, or you want to learn these techniques that I'm talking about, the flesh method and some other uh, major trauma recovery tools, um, I have this fantastic program that starts in the fall for uh, professionals uh, called Trauma Recovery Training Level One. So yeah, so many exciting things. So there's so many ways in which I can hang out, that you can hang out with me. I can support you via coaching. I have group programs. I have training project programs. You can, you know, obviously listen to my podcast, My Orgasmic Life, which can be found on Apple, Google, Spotify, all the, all the hot and your favorite podcasting platforms. I also have my own um, app called My Orgasmic Life. You can be found on Google Play Store. And for all your BDSM wellness needs, you can find me at empressgaia.com. All right, I think that's it. That's all. Thanks for hanging out with me. I hope this was inspiring. I hope this was like, oh, okay, I can look at something from a new perspective. I hope this helps you on your journey of whatever behavioral changes that you might want to make in your life that are not serving you. And um, you know where to find me. If you need some support oh and if you and here's the thing I always forget about I have this incredible patreon account so if you really love what I do and you're inspired and you know I've made a difference in your life help support my life and you know and also work with me in a deeper level so if you're a patreon uh, if you're one of my patreon peeps you get to have free extra content that's like in-depth content. You get to have, you know, one-on-one -on -one sessions with me. There's all sorts of cool stuff that you get to do to interact with me more than just getting to listen to me. All right. Have a juicy day. May it be filled with thought-provoking questions like why and how. <laughs>
All right, till next time. Bye-bye.